Hi everybody. If you're watching this, it's because you're really interested in the marriage covenant. And the marriage covenant is twofold. Firstly, the marriage covenant is between Christ and his church. And we're going to look at that and see what this really means. And then secondly, we enter into a marriage covenant with a male and a female or a man and a woman. And so if we are married in that covenant, when we need to understand the purpose from God's perspective for our marriage covenant with one another. But firstly, we need to start at understanding God's intent for his covenant with his people. Many people in the body of Christ haven't yet grasped through revelation the understanding of the marriage covenant between God and his people. This isn't something that you uh, need to be married to understand because a lot of the teaching on this marriage covenant was done by Paul and Paul wasn't physically married to anybody. And it's also essential we understand that the context for the scriptures are written in view of a marriage between Christ and his church. If we don't have that picture, if we don't understand that the context to which the scriptures are all written is a marriage covenant, then we will ultimately be led the wrong way or not in the fulfillment and the fullness of what God has for us. So the first, second, probably third part of this teaching series is going to be understanding God's covenant with us as his people, as individuals, because we've all been chosen. We've all been called to be in a marriage covenant with Christ first. And that marriage covenant is to define all things. It's to define how we live our lives now on earth. And it's certainly to define the marriages we have in the physical context. So welcome to this marriage teaching resource. This is called part one. And it's all looking at God's intent, God's purpose, God's design for this covenant with his people, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And we're going to go through three or four passages of scripture, which will bring light and life to this whole reality of the marriage covenant. And so, as I said, it's essential that we understand this element first in our walk with God. And for this, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. So if you do have your Bibles, I'd encourage you, although it is in the notes, to open up your scriptures and have a look, just so you know we're not making things up. And that these are the words of Paul. And so it says this here, wives, be subject to your own husbands. That word subject means alignment. Wives, walk in an alignment to your own husband. So often we think it's a, a, an oppressive reality where it's someone putting a pressure on somebody. But what that word means is to walk in absolute alignment to your husband, which is the picture of Christ and his church. It's not Jesus miles out the front and we're right behind. It's us walking in absolute alignment to him because we're called to be his co-heir. So it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself, meaning Christ, being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So that element is for wives first. Then it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
Now that love is an eternal love. That's not your human love, guys. That's an eternal love. That's 1 John 13. Love is patient, kind, holds no wrong. It's not jealous, bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the love that we are to love our wives with. It's the love in which Christ loves us and our wives, the entire church and all of humanity. This is just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he, Jesus, might sanctify her. That word sanctify means transform her. Having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present to himself so that Christ might present to himself or God present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And that's a principle, that's a personhood reality throughout the entire scriptures, the two becoming one. Then Paul says this, and this is where I want us to focus, this mystery is great. This mystery I've just declared is a great mystery, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. I'm not really talking about in the natural as a first off a man and a woman. I'm talking about the dynamics and the way of the pattern of heaven between God and his church and how this works. And this mystery is one of the greatest mysteries in the kingdom. And it's missed by many because it is a mystery. Nevertheless, he finishes each individual among you also is to love his own wife. And now he comes back into this earthly context, but it's the two becoming one that you can't separate as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. You know, the reality is a man needs respect and a woman needs love. A man, ladies, he needs your respect more than he needs your love. And men, your lady needs to know you love her, that you're covering her, that you're supporting her, that you're protecting her more than respect. There's another principle and another dynamic that works in this reality. Without this knowledge as our first beginning place, we will never come to know the true meaning of this marriage covenant and its purpose between a husband and a wife. Unless we get through revelation and understand that first, God chose us to be in a marriage covenant with him, whether you are male or female, because we're talking in the spirit, we will never grasp what it is to live an earthly married life. And I personally believe this is why a major reason why Christian marriages don't actually work or they don't work out. They fail because we don't understand the much bigger picture in which our marriages are to fit into. So firstly, it's because we have no revealed knowledge of the marriage covenant between God and us and that God has put in place, which is to define our earthly marriages. And secondly, it's because we have no living knowledge of the true purpose of the marriage covenant 
between a man and a woman. And we're going to look at that word covenant in other teachings. We must come into the realization that the living prophetic scriptures are in context to the marriage covenant. If you can see the marriage covenant and the scriptures all align to that. So if you don't have sight of the purpose and the context of the scriptures, you end up making up your own purpose and your own context for the scriptures. So you think it's all about reaching the lost or healing the sick or feeding the poor. Um, you think it's all about prophecy and understanding your gifts, this whole reality. And it's not as a first place priority. The context for the scriptures point to the marriage covenant. So it's the picture of the marriage covenant that we must see if we're going to understand the power and the scriptures of how they are written. That's essential. You see, the problem is many of us have been raised with a transactional or a very functional gospel instead of a relational gospel based on love. Many of us have heard it's about the do's and the don'ts. Get saved and go and do all these things rather than get justified and come to know the God who has invited you into this covenant with himself, this marriage covenant based on love and love alone. Not your love, but his love for you that he needs to impart into you so then you can keep the covenant, the commandment of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength with the love he's given you. And so the gospel is not primarily as a first base reality, a transactional or functional or a works based gospel. It's about a love relationship. It's about divine fellowship between a creator and his creation. Just like our natural relationships, I would hope none of us have got married for function or transaction, but to get to know one another and to enjoy one another through divine relationships. So the question is, where do we begin in looking at this whole thing called marriage? And the answer is, we start with God. We must start with God, and we must start with God in the beginning. Now we have to realize God's beginning is actually his end. Now that makes no sense to the natural. If you're starting a book, you start at the beginning, and you work your way to the end. But in God, we start at the end, and then we begin. And Isaiah said in Isaiah uh, 46, 9 and 10, he said, God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. And so if you want to know the purpose for your life, you go to the back of the book. You go to the end of the book. It's countercultural and it's counter opposite to the ways of man. And you'll see at the back of the book in Revelation 19, 7 to 9, that the bride has made herself ready and you'll see in the notes there are scriptures there for you to go through and go over but the first thing that every follower needs to realize is that when you receive jesus christ as your lord and savior you've actually been invited to your own wedding and you never get told this you get told the first thing is to go out and share your faith but the reality is when you receive jesus christ as your lord and savior let me say this again you receive your own invitation to your own wedding with him in the future because you are now you've been betrothed to christ and you are now to be getting made ready for your marriage to him in the kingdom of god and we see this in 2 corinthians 11 verses 1 to 4. 
So have a read over those passages, Isaiah 46, 9 to 10, and Revelation 19, 7 to 9. But here we go in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 4. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. This is Paul. But indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of a devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, will you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. You see, in the West and today, we use the word engagement. But the word betrothal is far more serious, as it means you are legally bound to the covenant of marriage that you've just started. You're betrothed to Christ. In other words, you're really as good as married now. And the challenge for every single follower is to be living a faithful and obedient life through the covenant to Christ now. And as we go on, we're going to unpack this more and more. But this must all be heard, seen, and understood through the filter of the Spirit. To attempt to grasp and understand this through the flesh, the carnal mind, will leave us disillusioned, disheartened, very confused. You'll ask questions like, but I'm a guy and I'm supposed to be a bride? This is a spiritual dynamic. And it's important that we allow God into our lives to clean up the other lovers that we have. A child could be another lover. Uh, our spouse can be another lover. An idol, we can have things in our heart that are actually at the center of our heart that are getting in the way of our covenant with Christ. Because part of the covenant is we've been commanded to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. But we can't because we have people and other things. And this is what it means when it says to be made ready, to enter into this preparational process because you've been created to be in a marriage covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. The father is looking for a bride for his son. The father is the pruner of the branch. The son is the vine. The father is the vine pruner. He's going to prune the branch and we're the branches. So some questions for you to think about as we go on are in those resources. So have a look at those questions and dialogue about those things. And we'll look forward to seeing you soon for part two.